0: Welcome to Puto Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, metro columnist, and I'm joined by investigative reporter Brian Chasnov And uh, obviously, there's been a lot of uh, attention in the news about the the influx of uh, Central American migrants on our border, and obviously our system is is overloaded right now. And uh, we're uh, I think as of last week there were five thousand unaccompanied migrant children in customs and border protection facilities. Um, and uh, just this week, uh, a Freeman Coliseum has opened uh, in, here in San Antonio to to, to provide uh, shelter for unaccompanied migrant kids. And um, we are, are uh, glad to be joined today by um, U.S. Representative, District 28 Congressman uh, Henry Cuellar whose uh, district includes part of San Antonio, but also a major section of the South Texas border region. Um, Congressman Quare, thank you so much for joining the podcast today.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate, appreciate both of you.
0: Well, I, I know that you uh, made a trip down to the Valley uh, yesterday, Tuesday, uh, to take a look at, at what's going on down there. What did you see and, and, and what did you hear during the, during the briefings you received?
1: In many ways, it's uh, something that we've seen before. We saw this in 2014 under President Obama. We saw this in 2019 under President Trump. And we're seeing now this under President uh, Biden. Uh, What we see in Donna, uh, you know, there's two facilities. The first one is what they call the temporary outside facility, where if Border Patrol uh, 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 apprehends somebody, they bring him into that first step, which is really under the uh, bridge of the Ansabdua. Uh, bridge itself. That's in my district, in the southern part of my district. Um, And then we saw people there, you know, the folks that are committing families uh, that are there. And then from there, uh, you know, we also saw uh, the Donna facility, which is, again, these are all Border Patrol facilities uh, where they're supposed to keep people there for 72 hours, uh, but they're keeping people there longer. In fact, some of the pods. They're supposed to um, under COVID nineteen. They're supposed to have thirty three people, and they have in some pods four hundred, some pods five hundred, some pods six hundred, when they're supposed to be having only thirty three individuals. And that's simply because uh, two reasons: one, too many people coming in, and not enough people moving out fast to the health and human services. For example, another facility I've been twice that's Carrizo Springs as an example. Right. And of course, I'll be visiting um, the San Antonio area to see the uh, uh, the facilities there also. Uh, but those are health and human services. So two reasons. One, a lot of people coming in. Two, they're not moving out fast enough from border patrol facilities.
0: And Congressman, as, as you pointed out, you know, there are uh, some kids who are being kept in uh, CBB p- facilities for longer than, than the allowed 72 hours be- just because of the, the, the overload uh, on the system. And of course, President Biden has gotten uh, some criticism about that. There are al- also been stories uh, uh, in which members of the Biden transition team have said that the Trump administration on its way out uh, sort of dragged its feet when it came to... Uh, creating more shelter space when it was already kind of apparent that we were seeing an influx of of, of migrants coming from Central America. I mean, where do you place the blame when you look at this issue?
1: You know, I, I uh, uh, want to say that it's, it's a combination of both uh, in the sense, and look, I'm a Democrat I, and I've been very supportive. I campaigned for Joe Biden. I saw what he did as vice president, and I want him to succeed, um, but you know you got to look at where the numbers at. If you look at the numbers, um, you will see that this started under uh, President Trump, uh, August, September, and especially October, November, December, January, uh, at least up to January twentieth, the mid- tr- um, uh, midday. It then become uh, it becomes an issue for uh, President Biden. But this number start rising at that time uh, when people say and you can look at some of the uh, uh, fact checks where they say, oh, you know, the, the, the Republicans dismantled the immigration system asylum. It's been, uh, you know, it's half truth uh, when they say when the Republicans say, oh, uh, Biden got rid of all the um, uh, border policies. That's half truth also. I mean, there's a little truth in, there, uh, in both statements to be uh, uh, to be very straightforward. Uh, for example, when they said, oh, they got rid of Biden, got rid of all the policies. Well, the 1944 law, which is the Title 42, we're still using this uh, and it's sure. used on adults and some family members as long as the kids are under the age of seven.
0: Right, and this is the, the the public health law that's being that was used under the Trump administration during the COVID nineteen pandemic, uh, basically to expel asylum seekers uh, and, and kind of shut down that process because of of the public health concerns. As you said, President Biden has continued it with the ex- making the exception for unaccompanied children. I was curious what you make of the use of the policy um, mm-hmm. the Title forty two and, and 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 how Joe Biden has. Uh, continue to use it but made that made that one change in it
1: well you know first of all uh, th- they they're not using uh, title 42 uh, the this 1944 law the public health as you mentioned uh, for unaccompanied kids number one they're using it for some right. family units depending on what Mexico will allow so right now generally speaking if you have a family with a child under 7 years old they stay here uh, if you have a ch- if there is a family unit with children up uh, above 7 then they could be returned back adults most of the adults are being returned so if we are if our system is being overwhelmed right now imagine if title 42 would go away so i support title 40, uh, 42 it's a 1944 law uh, because if we think we have a system that's overloaded imagine if the adults or all family members would family units will be coming into the United States. I mean, right now I I feel bad for border patrol. There are so many border patrol uh, and OFO, which is the men and women in blue that have been taken away from securing the border or being out of bridges or airports because they're out there in many ways, babysitting uh, families. We have to, the kids. I mean, I feel so bad, terrible, Uh, You know, for those young kids, I mean, I've always said once those kids are in our custody, we take care of those kids like if they're our own kids.
0: Congressman, I'm curious what you how you feel about Operation Lone Star. Uh, This was announced by uh, Governor Abbott earlier this month. Uh, It appears to be a surge of uh, DPS officers to the border. Um, Is this is this necessary? Is this a concern for you?
1: Well, listen, I, I um, certainly welcome DPS, certainly welcome the National Guard, which is paid by the federal government. DPS is paid, I think, what is it, about $800 million by the state legislature. I, I certainly welcome them down there. But keep in mind, they do not have immigration law uh, powers, both of them, the National Guard or them. Yesterday, when I was going down from Laredo down to the valley, Uh, I think every, I used to say one quarter mile, but I think now it's even less than that. You have them just lined up along Highway 83. Do they stop some of the uh, um, smugglers or some of the uh, uh, folks there on highways? Yes. But keep in mind that most people are going to come right now in uh, between, you know, along the border. Uh, DPS does a little bit of that. National Guard does a little bit. But keep in mind, if people think that they are securing our border through, uh, through the immigration law, they just don't have that power. And, and I told Border Patrol, we got to talk to the uh, state and see there's a more efficient use of uh, uh, using DPS instead of them lining up up and down uh, Highway 83, as an example, mm-hmm. uh, where maybe they can be utilized in a different way that will be useful uh, to our men and women in green.
0: And now I'm curious where are these DPS officers being pulled from? Do do you know if it's impacting law enforcement in other areas and and well, perhaps contributing to uh to to uh you know a lack of coverage in other areas of Texas.
1: Well, you know, certainly I mean they are pulled from different parts of the state of Texas and I've certainly heard that for many years because this is not the first time they've done this as you know, they've been used for so many years uh, and it takes away from um, DPS from other places. So, yes, it does have an impact. I, I don't have that info. I think the state legislature will probably have a better info, but certainly uh, it's pulled from them. And again, I certainly welcome them. I, I just as I told the Border Patrol chief yesterday or asked them, uh, can't we find a better way of coordinating with them? Uh, and and again, they're just up and down. If you talk to Judge. Uh, Eloy Vera, the judge from Starr County, he'll give you a very strong opinion that they're just there giving tickets uh, out there on, on uh, Highway 83. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, I welcome them. I used to do the appropriations uh, for DPS when I was in the state legislature. My brother's a former DPS trooper, so I respect them. Uh, but I wish we could have a more coordinated way with uh, Border Patrol. But keep in mind, they have no immigration power.
0: Right. Congressman, uh, you said that when it comes to immigration, the U.S. keeps basically playing uh, <clears throat> defense at the one-yard line. Um, in, in other words, we're being reactive rather than proactive. And I wondered um, when you look at things that could be done differently. And I'm, I'm wonder in particular, I'm wondering about. Uh, aid to the Northern Triangle countries in Central America, what some people have called a Marshall Plan for the Northern Triangle, are, are, is that part of what you would see, uh, or, or what would you see as, as a way of, of changing that dynamic?
1: Uh, yes, sir. And, and, and that's, it's a good question as to how do we handle this situation Uh, First of all, there are lessons that we should take from uh, President Obama because uh, Secretary, uh, then Secretary of Homeland, Jay Johnson, and and he and I uh, talked a lot about this particular situation. I think he understood this very well, Uh, and I'll go over that. And um, and also, um, when we talk about, if you talk to a Republican, you will hear about pull factors, right? What we do here, what policies and all that. Then when you talk to a Democrat, generally they talk about push factors, crime, poverty, Mm -hmm. uh, drought some years ago, now a couple of hurricanes. Um, Those are the things that they talk about. In my in my viewpoint, I think we need to look at both factors. So when you look at the roots, you know, some people say, let's look at the root of the uh, issue here. You know, without due respect, we've looked at this for so many years. I mean, this is not the first rodeo we've sure. been at. So, yes, uh, back right. in 2014, myself and Kay Ranger, Republican from Fort Worth, we worked with the Biden administration. In fact, the vice president at that time was Joe Biden. Uh, myself and and Kay Ranger, we're the ones that added the first seven hundred fifty million dollars to Central America. If you look at and then, of course, uh, Trump tried to uh, zero that out and we said no. But it got reduced to about last year's was the last one was five hundred and five million dollars. If you look at the money that we've uh, appropriated and I use the word appropriated Central America um, uh, from 2016 to 2021, uh, we're talking about three point six billion dollars to Central America. Now, some people say, well, Trump cut, cut, Trump. Well, yeah, it got reduced. He tried to stop it. But, you know, we we have provided uh, money to them. And But the problem is half of that money has been stopped by the Senate, uh, Democrats. And and let me explain that. Um, Mm -hmm. There are some conditions that got added when we added the first $750 million where they said, well, we're going to hold half of your money uh, if you don't do this thing on corruption and good government, uh, good governance and all that, which are our good goals. Mm -hmm. But when you hold that money... Uh, you're hurting the NGOs and the people that need the help. So we're holding it at one time we were holding up to $800 uh, million, dollars, almost a billion dollars because of those conditions. I understand we got to hold those, con- uh, those countries accountable, but we got to be able to give this resources down to the people as soon as possible. Cause otherwise we're holding that money up. At one time it was $800 million. So, um, You know, and and one more thing. We don't give cash government to government. We don't do that. They go to NGOs that we work with in Central America Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Mm -hmm. companies that, uh, you know, that money, American companies were those consultants. That money ends up back over here, contractors back at the U.S. So we don't give cash to uh, those countries. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's done through NGOs Mm -hmm. and it's done in a very careful way. But that's only one thing that's long term. The other thing is, and I'm glad that uh, the vice president called uh, the uh, uh, president of Guatemala yesterday. Uh, and I yesterday I got on the phone. I spoke to the um, you know the Guatemalan uh, ambassador to the U.S., the Mexican ambassador. Uh, and, and today I'm supposed to follow up with the Honduran and El Salvador because we got to get those countries to do more. They can do that. Uh, they can do more to hold folks there, have them in the safe place. so that'll make that very dangerous trek where the coyotes you know will charge depending average of six thousand uh, dollars for people to come over here in very dangerous situations. So yes, let's address the root uh, issues. that takes a little bit of problem. let's uh, let's change the way we provide the assistance and let's get those countries to do some immediate things. By securing their own yep. borders, Guatemala with Mexico, Guatemala with Honduras, like they're starting to do now again.
0: You know, even uh, with different parties in in the White House uh, and there have been some different policies, uh, I think that there's been a kind of consistent um, Effort, I think, to approach uh, whether it's been Democrats or Republicans to approach the the asylum seekers uh, with kind of a, a deterrence policy, uh, to, uh, you know, to make the to make the process to discourage people from coming and make it as as, as diffi- difficult. And you know, certainly President Trump maybe took it farther than others did with you know the separation of, of children uh, uh, from from their parents and so on. But but there, the the policy of deterrence has kind of think been kind of a consistent theme. And there, there, are some who argue, and, and uh, your 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 San Antonio colleague uh, uh, Joaquin Castro, I, I think, just wrote an op-ed uh, this week about the, about this and making that this argument that deterrence isn't really the way to go. That it doesn't uh, that it, it doesn't stop the flow of, of migrants. It, it might delay people from coming, but it doesn't really uh, solve the problem. I'm curious to, to get get your take. Dealing, considering how how much experience you've had with the border, whether you think deterrence, uh, whether it it works or it's the right policy, and I'm talking well, about with asylum I mean, it, seekers specifically. It, yeah, I mean, yes,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, deterrence is is part of it, and yes, uh, you do got to do um, uh, provide that assistance to those countries over there, so you can address the root issues. But uh, look, uh, uh, bottom line is, if there's no consequence to an action, uh, then it doesn't mean anything. Um, And you address the issues over there. You provide the foreign aid. And I know because I've been involved. And the last time I was in Central America, I was there with uh, Speaker Pelosi and uh, other members. And we talked to NGOs there. And um, so, yes, we got to address those issues, the root issues. Uh, Definitely, we got to do that. Uh, but at the same time, there's got to be some consequences because otherwise you have catch and release. Uh, if you have catch and release, all you do is provide the incentive for me, put more people to come in. Uh, I'll give you three messages that uh, I always ask about what's heard down there. One is the administrations, and I'm glad they changed their message because their first message was don't come now, come later. It's like saying break the law, don't break the law now, break it later. No, you got to say, don't come now, period. You know, unless if they follow a legal process. The second message is the, what I call the, uh, what you hear on the streets, the friends, the neighbors, uh, you know, los amigos, los primos, you know, that they hear on the streets. uh, Hey, look, people are coming across. I got across. This is the time to do it. Then they see TV images um, um, showing people coming across. Then the third message is what the uh, organizations, the criminal organizations, they aggressively, aggressively, aggressively promote that because the more people they get, uh, the more money they, they make. I mean, bottom line, so they aggressively using social media, WhatsApp, and all that, uh, and those are three messages. And I can tell you by my experience and by being there in Central America over the years and even by talking some to some of the people that have gotten over here, They don't hear the first message, but they sure pay attention to what their friends or their neighbors or their cousins are saying and what they see on TV. And certainly with the criminal organizations actively promoting saying they can get them across now, the second and the third message are powerful messages that are being heard over here. Uh, And if they know that they get here and they get released, of course, they're going to come. It adds to it. I don't believe I'm a Democrat. I believe in. You know, having full immigration reform, guest worker plan, Dreamers Act. I voted for all that. Um, But you got to have certain laws uh, on the book. And and if they say you come in this way, then you should come in. I've been pushing for more. I've added more immigration judges than anybody has, Um, you know, judges in San Antonio and other places. But I've also advocated for immigration judges on the border. Uh, and in fact, we'll be announcing more immigration judges on the border, uh, took me about two years to get them convinced but it's going to happen this summer, uh, because, uh, I think people should listen, uh, you know, I mean, the, I mean, the people should have their courts, uh, dates as soon as possible. Uh, and you will find out that if somebody asks for asylum, generally speaking, a uh, hundred people ask for asylum. Uh, Twelve of them are going to be accepted. Eighty-eight percent are going to be rejected.
0: When on, on we talk about immigration judges on the borders, so you're talking about having these cases processed processed immediately on the border without having them released to uh, sponsors. Uh, is is that right?
1: Well, we're talking about uh, definitely the adults and the uh, family units, the unaccompanied kids. Uh, you know, there is a different process under the 1998 law that we have to follow for that. Uh, so you know, we want to release them uh, to family, uh, to the families. About forty percent will have a mom or dad, and you know, there's the average time there is about twenty-seven days uh, to find a mom or dad. And then there's uh, four categories. So I want to have uh, dates down there. I mean, uh, uh, courts mm-hmm. down there to have the people have their day in court. I mean, that's that's the law. I mean, that's what we need to follow the the law. I mean, right now we have over a million final deportation orders, and they're there. So, what does it mean to have a law yeah. on the book if we're not going to enforce it,
0: Congressman? Before we let you go, you mentioned uh, your support for the Dream Act and for comprehensive immigration reform, and uh, I wanted to get your thoughts. You know, I think most people would say that in order to get a uh, you know, real major immigration reform, it's it we have to. Be some kind of bipartisan effort, and that's what we saw in 1986 uh, when uh, the last the last time this happened. And obviously, the political climate has changed a lot. But I want to get your sense on uh, you know whether you think that there is any possibility of of making that kind of breakthrough um, in Congress in the near future.
1: I support the Dream Act. I voted for a co-sponsor, the uh, guest worker plan, and of course, full comprehensive immigration reform. Uh, politically. Uh, as you know, we saw we passed the DREAM Act and the uh, guest worker plan, uh, waiting to see if we can get 10 Republicans on those. Those are the easy ones. The full comprehensive is a lot more difficult. If you notice, that hasn't been brought to the House floor. So even among Democrats, there are some questions as to the full uh, uh, immigration reform. We need to have immigration reform, and you're absolutely right. If it's not done bipartisan, it's going to be very hard. Last time it was 1986, Republican President Reagan and a Democratic Congress. If it's not done right. that way, then it's going to be very difficult. Uh, the problem is that we're in a different environment where, you know, if you do something with immigrants, the first thing the Republicans are going to scream, amnesty, amnesty, amnesty. Without due respect, a lot of us don't believe in amnesty. Uh, we believe in a earned pathway. Uh, amnesty was was what President Reagan did in 1986. I don't believe in amnesty. I believe right. in a earned pathway, the way we uh, have been pushing uh, the uh, latest bills that we have. Here.
0: Representative Henry Quare, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, for those of you listening, uh, we hope everyone's doing well and uh, take care and we'll be back next week. Thank you.